mantra of everything that I do. Come on, Christ Fellowship. Come on and give Jesus a loud, loud shout of praise. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a powerful time of worship. I want to take a moment and welcome all of our campuses all across Miami-Dade, our Redland campus, Homestead, Doral, West Kendall, Core Gables, downtown, and everyone who is watching us online, Christ Fellowship Palmetto Bay. Come on, let's give it up to them as loud as you can. My name is Carlos, and I get to serve as one of our teaching pastors here at Christ Fellowship. And earlier this year, uh, we began this journey on the Gospel of Mark. And today we wrap up uh, the book of Mark and this series that we've entitled uh, The Good Life. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Mark chapter 16. We're going to begin in verse 2. Are you all ready? Yeah, ready. Wasn't that worship incredible? Come on, let's encourage our worship teams, our production teams, all of our volunteers at all of our campuses. We love you all. Here's what the Word of God says. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. But this is the powerful statement that he says. He has risen. He is not here. Amen? Amen. Well, you can have a seat now at all of our campuses. You know, I was having a conversation with someone a couple weeks ago about how we communicate on the cell phones and how that has evolved throughout time. You see, from a young, when I was a young boy from a young age, I always loved talking on the phone. But back in those days, we did not have these cell phones that we have now. In fact, the struggle was real because we had these small devices called beepers. How many of you remember that? You probably had one. Make some noise. Our middle school and high school students have no idea what we're talking about. But before we had these cool emojis and all the text messages, we had beeper codes. One, four, three was I love you. One, two, three, I miss you. Eight, two, three, thinking about you. Come on, how many of you remember that? Yeah. And here's what would happen. Your pager would go off and you're like, oh, I need to call someone. But we didn't have cell phones. So you would have to look for a public pay phone. And you would oftentimes have to wait in line and hurry up for the person to finish their call. Like, dude, come on, stop the gossip. Go, hurry up, finish. So you would have to put in a quarter and then another quarter uh, every 10 or 5 minutes. But then the cell phones were invented and Motorola invented the brick cell phone. You thought you were cool. You were all that fancy. Not only can you call someone with this, but you can hurt someone. You can use this as a weapon. You couldn't even fit it in your purse. I mean, every time you would go to a restaurant, you just sit it, put it on the table. But then later on, they would actually invent something smaller called the flip phone. Now this was a lot smaller, a lot more sleek. You would put it on your belt, but you couldn't send a text message. Later on, the Nokia singular cell phone was invented. So you can send a text message, and someone said it, you can play the game Snake and have a little bit of fun. But all of a sudden, the sidekick was invented. 
And we thought we were all that. You know, you flip it open and you can go online, you can text faster, you can check your MySpace account, see if someone wrote a comment. We thought we arrived uh, once we had the sidekick, especially if you had the Juicy Couture one. <laughs> Come on, one of you ladies had one of those. I know someone had that. We thought we arrived. But in 2007, something was invented that would completely change our life. See, the iPhone was invented in 2007. Now this phone was not only a cell phone, not only a cell device, but it was a smartphone device. Not only can you, did you have the ability of calling people and going online, but now you can take pictures wherever you want. You don't need a professional photographer anymore. You snap a picture, you put a filter, it makes you look better than what you really are. Now this cell phone tells you where to go. You don't need a GPS system in your car or the MapQuest going online. It tells you where to go. It tells you how many steps you take, how many miles you walk. It even tells you your cholesterol level. I mean, the iPhone does it all. It even has your own personal assistant called Siri. Any question that you have in life, you can just ask Siri. You can tell her to remind you anything to do in life. In fact, I'm going to take a moment right now, and I'm going to ask Siri something. I'm going to tell her to do something. Siri, remind me to help Shawnee fold the clothes tonight. You have not folded your clothes since August 5th, 2012, the day you got married. Don't be lying, Siri. Hey, don't be lying in church. My wife is there. She can tell you. I don't like folding the clothes, but I help her at times. I promise you. I promise you. Hey, but don't miss the point in all this. Because the iPhone has completely changed the way we live our lives. It has completely changed the way that we communicate, the way that we travel, the way that we connect and engage with society. So I want to bring all of that over to our teaching for today. Because just like the iPhone has completely changed our lives in a much greater way, in a much more powerful way, because of the resurrection of Jesus, it has completely changed everything in our lives. See, what took place about 2,000 years ago that Jesus Christ came to this earth, that he died, he was buried, and he was raised from the grave three days later, it altered and changed our entire lives. Now, that poses a question. You know what? You might be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I've heard about the resurrection story, and I know the narrative, but how exactly did the resurrection change my life? How do I live in light of the resurrection? What we're going to find out today as we go through this narrative in Mark chapter 16. So we love to take notes here. Make sure that you take out your iPhone, go to the Christ Fellowship app. And this is the first point that I want you to write down today. The resurrection of Jesus changes your expectations. Changes your expectations. Look at what the Word of God says in Mark chapter 16. We're going to begin in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed... Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go and anoint him. Now, let me just set up the 
teaching for today, let me just set up this narrative in this scene because these three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, they were followers of Jesus. You see, when Jesus did ministry on this earth, they supported his ministry. They often followed him whenever he did different miracles and healings. And on this day, this was Resurrection Sunday. So these women were going to the tomb and they were expecting to come across a dead body, the body of Jesus. And what they were going to do, just so you can know a historical uh, nugget, is that they brought spices to anoint him. See, back in those days, it was customary uh, to anoint the dead body or the graveside of someone who had just passed away. Just like nowadays, it's customary to bring uh, flowers uh, to the graveside. So these women were doing this. Now, think about this for a moment because they were really risking their entire lives by going to visit the tomb. See, that's why the disciples were hiding in a room, but these women were bold enough to go and they wanted to anoint Jesus. But here's what the Word of God says in this narrative. It says, and very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And here's what happens. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from us from the entrance of the tomb? Who's going to push back that stone? We're not strong enough to move it. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man, which was an angel, sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. In other words, he's saying, what you are expecting is you are expecting to see the body of Jesus. You followed the Messiah for over three years. You saw him perform the miracles. You saw him perform the healings. Now you are expecting the body of the Messiah. You are expecting to anoint the body of Jesus. But when they go into the tomb, that's not what happens. They find an empty tomb. You see, these women were expecting a dead Messiah, but God had different plans. They came across a risen Savior. God did not meet their expectations, but rather he exceeded their expectations. Because here's what I want you to understand at all of our campuses, if you're watching at the route. Our God is so good. Our God is so loving. Our God is so compassionate that oftentimes not only does he meet our expectations, but instead he exceeds our expectations. In fact, the Bible says in John chapter 11, before the resurrection, before the death of Jesus, there's a narrative of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. These are siblings, and they love Jesus, and they were supporters of, of Jesus' ministry. And the word of God says in John chapter 11, verse 3, the sisters went out, they sent out word to Jesus, and they said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. And in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. See, she expected Jesus to heal him from his sickness. Jesus did not meet her expectation. Instead, he allowed Lazarus to die. And after being dead for four days, he did something greater. And he resurrected Lazarus from being dead for four days. He didn't meet their expectations. He exceeded their expectations. See, because... If God always met our expectations, then would he really be God? If God always met our expectations, would he really 
be God. You see, oftentimes, I know what some of you are thinking the moment that I talked about exceeding expectations. Probably you're thinking, wait a minute, Pastor Carlos. That sounds like prosperity gospel. That sounds like feel-good message, like self-helplessism. What do you mean about exceeding expectations? See, the moment that I said that, what comes to our minds are earthly things. For example, God, exceed my expectations when it comes to a promotion. Or God, I desire, I want a Toyota, but maybe you're going to exceed my expectations by giving me that BMW 7 Series with the alloy rims and the leather seats. or God, my expectations are that you bless me with the three-bedroom home, with the living room space and a nice kitchen. But maybe you're going to exceed my expectations and give me a five-bedroom home with two living room spaces, a pool, and a good-sized lot. Oftentimes we think that way. And yes, there are times that God will exceed our earthly expectations. But I want you to understand this very clear. Even when he doesn't meet our earthly expectations, because of the resurrection of Jesus, he always exceeds our expectations. Why? Because the good news of the gospel is not that he gives us a better life, but rather the good news of the gospel is that he gives us a resurrected life. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses, Doral, Homestead, Redland, he has given you a resurrected life. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ and of the gospel. In fact, it is the most important message. Write that down as your next point for today. The resurrection message is the most important Message. Look at what the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul is talking about the resurrection of Jesus, and he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says this, For I delivered to you as a first importance. Say with me, first importance. First importance. Say it like you mean it, first importance. First importance. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was, what, raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared, risen Savior, to Cephas, then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Now here's what the Apostle Paul is trying to remind the church in the city of Corinth in the first century. He's telling them, this is the most important message for you to understand. This is the centrality of the gospel message, the risen Savior. You see, the stories of the Old Testament, of the people of God being delivered from Egypt after being slaves for over 400 years and God parting the Red Sea using Moses, that's a great story. That's a good story. You see, the story of David and Goliath, see, the story of Daniel being in, in the lion's den, See, the story of Jesus walking on water and turning water into wine, all those miracles, all of those healings are good stories. But make no mistake, Paul is reminding every single one of us what is of first importance is that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, came down. Not only was he crucified, not only was he buried, but he was raised on the third day for our sins. Because I think... That the mistake that many Christians make is that we only think about the resurrection as an Easter message. 
We only talk about the resurrection when it's Easter. In fact, I think some of us, the moment that I started saying about he has risen, you're like, Pastor Carlos, it's, it's not Easter. I don't have my Easter outfit. I'm not swagged out with my tie and my suit. I, we're not going to brunch. We're not taking family pictures. We're not doing an Easter egg hunt for Sea of Kids. What are you talking about resurrection? Paul's saying no. And I want to remind you today that the resurrection message is not only an Easter message, it is an everyday message because you walk in the resurrection power not only on Easter Sunday, but guess what? On Monday, on Taco Tuesday, on Ordinary Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, you walk in that resurrection power if you are a child of God. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? I'm preaching to somebody today. Remind yourself, this is a first importance. This is a first importance. You see, it was so important going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is just a historical nugget that if you look at this narrative, for I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. It almost has like a rhyme to it. There's like a little flow. Well, Bible scholars believe that they would use this passage as a creed back in the days. Every day they would recite this. It was almost like a song that they would sing back in the first century because it was the essential of the Christian message. Almost like Pastor Al spoke about this about a month ago, how Israel back in the days they would recite Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. In the same way... Early Christians used to do the same thing. See, because the message of the gospel was not only, hey, be a good person or advocate for these social causes, but what separates the message from the gospel from any other message is that we preach Christ crucified and risen from the grave. Isn't that amazing, church family? And because of that, here's the next point that I want you to write down today. It gives you confidence that your sins are forgiven. It gives you confidence that your sins are forgiven. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he made him, meaning Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yes. Jesus Christ, not only does he take all of our sins, our past present and future sins, but the Word of God says that he actually became sin so that what? So that we may become the righteousness of God, so that we may be right with God. And we don't have to live a life filled with guilt and shame. You know, I talk to so many believers that oftentimes they walk around this life with so much guilt and shame. Pastor Carlos, you just don't understand who I was in my previous marriage. Pastor Carlos, you don't understand what I did when I was younger. Pastor Carlos, I was an absentee father. Pastor Carlos, I failed like a mother. Pastor Carlos, I did so many things at this previous job as a business owner. I, I committed so many wrong things. I did so many wrong things to people. And oftentimes, we walk this life 
filled with so much guilt and shame. You know, in America, there is a law called double jeopardy. And basically, it says that someone cannot be tried for the same crime twice. For example, if someone is convicted for murder, they go through trial, and after evidence, it comes up that they're, they're innocent. Uh, they can't be tried for the same uh, uh, crime. And the reason why we do that is because there is no freedom if after you're, pled, you're said innocent, that you have to go through a trial again. There's no freedom in that. You're thinking, oh, they're going to put me through prosecution once again. And I want to remind every single one of us that God loves us so much that he's put his son Jesus Christ on trial so that you and I can experience true freedom. And we don't have to live a life filled with guilt and shame, but rather we live a life that we have been forgiven. Because the word of God says in Romans 8, 1, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John chapter says that, 10 says that nothing can snatch you out of the hand of God. Here's what I want you to understand, child of God, you are chosen, you are loved, you are, God has sent you his mercy and grace over you. So you walk with forgiveness in mind. You know, going back to the narrative in Mark chapter 16, Here's something so interesting. Going back to our story, look at what the Bible says. The angel says to the women, see the place where they laid him. And look, at what the, look at what this command says. But go tell his disciples and Peter, say with me, Peter. Peter. Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. Now, I want you to understand this because this is so important. God wants to ensure that his disciples specifically Peter, they, they know about the resurrected Savior, that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. The tomb is empty, and he has resurrected from the grave three days later. Why is that so important? Think about this for a moment. Because Peter, during the crucifixion, when Jesus was arrested before the crucifixion, he denied Jesus three times. They asked Peter, hey, Peter, do you know that guy who calls himself the Messiah? He said, I don't know him. I've never associated myself with him. I've never hung out with him. I don't know who he is. Three different times. So God is saying, hey, make sure that all the disciples know, especially Peter. See, this message of grace, this message of resurrection also extends towards Peter who denied me three times. And the word of God says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when he ascends back into heaven, the word of God says that Peter, the same Peter who denied Jesus three times, in front of a massive crowd, here's what he says. He begins to preach and he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Think about this for a moment. The same Peter who denied Jesus three times, later on after the resurrection, is the same Peter who preaches the gospel and 3,000 people get saved. Can you imagine if Peter would have walked around with the guilt and shame card on his heart. Oh, I can't preach the gospel because I denied Jesus three times. 
I turned my back on Christ. I, I mean, I, I just went the wrong direction, and I, I'm guilty. I'm shameful for what I did to Jesus. No, I, that was wrong. I was one of his closest disciples, and I was going to stand up for him, and I denied him three times. Can you imagine if Peter would have walked around with the guilt and shame card? He would have not been able to preach the gospel, and 3,000 people got saved. I wonder how many believers don't allow God to do something in them and through them because of guilt and shame. Because of things they've done in the past. God can't use me, pastor. God cannot use me, pastor. You don't understand. We walk around with guilt and shame. But because of the resurrection, I want to remind you today that you have confidence that your sins have been forgiven. And here's the next point that I want you to write down today. You have strength for today's challenges. Strength for today's challenges. Going back to that narrative in Mark chapter 16, look at what the women are saying. Who will roll away the stone from us from the entrance of the tomb? Think about this for a moment. These three incredible women of God are awesome and bold, and they're going to go visit Jesus, but they're not strong enough to push that stone. And they couldn't ask for help because if they asked for help, their life could be at stake at that moment. They could be arrested because of what they're doing. So they're like, who is going to roll that stone for us? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. God did for them what they couldn't do for themselves. Amen. What stone is in front of you right now? That you're like, how am I going to get through this? Who is going to get me out of this mess? Maybe it's a financial stone. Maybe it's your marriage and you feel like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I feel so much burden, I am overwhelmed, I'm exhausted. Maybe it's a physical stone that's in your way. God wants to remind you today, you don't have to carry your burdens on your own. You know, one of the things about me, I, I'm actually old school and I love to go to the grocery store. I don't do the whole Instacart thing, it's just not my thing. I actually like going to the grocery store and picking out what I want to pick out. And so I enjoy going to uh, Trader Joe's and Aldi. It's like therapeutic for me. But one of the things that I don't like is I hate to unload all of the grocery stuff into the kitchen. And so what I try to do, I try to do it all in one trip. Like any guys or anybody, you know, experience that. So here's what I do. I see all the bags and I start putting them on my stronger arm, my right arm. Start placing the bag on my bicep and my elbow, and then this part by the palm, and then my pinky, my fingers, put the other bags. And I'm trying to place and carry all these grocery bags into the kitchen. And I started thinking to myself, why don't you ask for help? You got two little boys who can at least grab one bag, grab, help a brother out, puts, grab a bread bag, something, ask for help. But I was thinking to myself, isn't that an image of how we live our lives sometimes? Carrying all this way, we feel so much burden. And God wants to remind every single one of us because of the resurrection, the word of God says in Romans 8, 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. 
The Word of God says in Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and very present hope in all of our troubles. Lamentations 3.22 says that His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Because of the resurrection, it gives you the strength to overcome today's challenges. Not only does it give you the confidence that your sins are forgiven, it gives you the strength to, to overcome today's challenges. And here's the last point that I want you to write down today. It gives you hope for the future. Amen. It gives you hope for the future. Look at what the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when Paul is talking about the resurrection. He says the following, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Look at verse 55. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death and sin is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus gives us the victory. You know, Christ could have just crucified, could have been crucified for our sins. And the crucifixion would have forgiven us from all of our sins. It's the atonement. But the resurrection of Jesus proves not only that he's our savior, but because of the resurrection of Jesus, it also gives us the benefit, the blessing that you too, you and I, will one day be resurrected as well in our new glorified bodies. Just like Jesus was resurrected from the grave, for the child of God, you will be resurrected as well. You know, in my time here at Christ Fellowship, I've had the blessing of serving with incredible volunteers. I've been here at Christ Fellowship for 12 years. I had the opportunity of serving in our West Kendall campus in Palmetto Bay. And when I was the campus pastor here at the Palmetto Bay campus, about three years ago, I had the opportunity of serving with this incredible couple. You're going to see a picture of them called Bernardo and Raquel. And they, many of you may know them. Uh, they actually served by leading our volunteer headquarters room with uh, Sprinkles and the rest of the team. Uh, so what they would do every weekend is that they would serve the volunteers. All the volunteers are served in kids, students, production, uh, guest services, security, parking, all the different volunteers. We, we go upstairs to the, to, the, to the volunteers' room, and they always had uh, amazing food, breakfast, grits, bacon, sauces. I mean, it was awesome. And Bernardo is this, this, this faithful man of God who would always serve us with such a smile and was always so welcoming. Well, right around the Easter season, right before Easter, uh, there was a customer of his that told him uh, that something of his skin seemed a little bit off, and he seemed like it was a little too yellow. Uh, and he may have this disease called yaundice. And so um, he would go to the hospital, he would go to the doctors, and after a series of tests and procedures and exams, uh, to say the long story short, they would actually discover that Bernardo had stage four uh, colon cancer. Uh, when, when, when he found out the news, it was uh, devastating to them. Uh, you know, they have a beautiful family. His two daughters serve in, in our Redland campus, Madeline and Melissa. 
uh, and they're part of our kids team there. I mean, so as a church family, our pastors, our staff, our team, we began to, our kids team, we began to all pray uh, for healing, pray that God can do uh, the impossible uh, possible. And so he started chemo, and about three weeks ago, they had to do a CAT scan, and so they would actually call him immediately after they did the CAT scan, and they would tell him to come to the hospital, and they discovered that the cancer had actually spread all throughout the entire uh, body. And at this juncture, there was really nothing that could be done uh, for him. And so they were thinking of removing the colon, but really at this juncture, nothing uh, could be done. And so they sent him home uh, to hospice. And, you know, obviously this is hard for the family. And so as a team of pastors, our staff, volunteers, we've gone to visit him. And I remember I was at his home about two, three Saturdays ago. He's still in hospice. And I was at his home, and I thought that when I was going to go to his home, that I was going to see him uh, sad, discouraged, disappointed, uh, depressed, uh, upset, wondering why is this happening to him. But when I went to his home, he was the absolute opposite of what I thought he would be. In fact, when I went to his home, every single person that walked into that room, he would begin to encourage them. He would begin to minister to them. He would begin to speak life into them. He would begin to pray, even pray for them. And I remember him and his daughter saying this thing that will always resonate with me. And they said, Carlos, I don't understand how someone can go through something like this in life without the hope of Jesus Christ. I don't understand how someone can go through something like this without the hope that we have in Jesus. And one of the things that Bernardo said to one of our pastors, he said the following, you know, one thing that I'm looking forward to is that when I leave this earthly presence, that I am going to be face to face with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Only hope in Jesus can make someone feel that way. And here's what I want every single one of us to remember. Because Jesus was raised from the grave, death does not have the final answer. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, cancer does not have the final answer. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, sickness does not have the final answer. Despair does not have the final answer. Injustice does not have the final answer. Jesus took it all and he defeated death on the cross. How many of you believe that today? Come on at all of our campuses. If you're watching at Doral, if you're watching at Homestead, if you're watching at Coral Gables, if you're watching at downtown, all of the campuses, give Jesus a shout of praise. Amen. That's why I love that song. I love that song, Jesus at the Center of All. You know what's an amazing thing Melissa was telling me from our Redland campus's daughter? That throughout this time of hospice, these last three weeks, he should be in excruciating pain. But you know what? He hasn't felt any pain. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. That is the resurrection power that we live with as believers. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ and nothing else. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes at all of our campuses if you're watching us online. Father God, we just come before you, Lord, and I just want to take a moment right now and pray for Bernardo and Raquel and Melissa and Madeline and the entire family. God, I know that our hope is in you, Jesus, but I just pray that you give them comfort and peace 
and joy in the midst of this situation, God. May you continue to give them the strength that they need to overcome the challenges of today, Lord. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed in this room, maybe you're joining us for the first time or maybe you've been coming here for many weeks and as I talked about guilt and shame, you were thinking, Pastor Carlos, that's me. I have lived a life filled with guilt and shame and I'm so far away from God, God cannot love me because I've messed up so many times. I want to remind you, my friend, today that God's hand is never too short to save you from your sins. And the Word of God says in Romans 10 that if you believe with your heart that he was raised from the dead, if you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And today you have an opportunity to make a decision to follow Christ. There where you are, I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment to pray for you. And I want to know who you are, who, who's making this decision today. So here's what I want you to do. If that is you today, if you're making the decision to follow Christ, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, would you just take a moment right now and lift up your hands as high as you can with no one looking. Just lift up your hands with no one looking in this room. God bless you in the back. I see you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am, in the front. God bless you. God bless you. If you're at one of our campuses, Redland, Homestead, Coral Gables downtown, West Kendall, Doral, you can also lift up your hand. God bless you. You can put your hand down. If you're watching us online, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but rather the condition of your heart. And God wants your heart and he wants your life. Let me pray for us. Father God, we just come before you. And I recognize that I am a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died. You were buried and you were raised from the grave for my sins. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to make me a new creation, God. From this day forward, I will live for you and you alone, God. I repent for my sins and I run to you today. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my everything. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen. And amen. Christ Fellowship, if you're excited for those that said that prayer, why don't we give it up for them? If you made that decision to follow Christ at one of our campuses, you can go to our Next Steps area. We have a Bible that we want to give you today. If you're watching us online, you can text the word CF Miami to the number 313131. I'm going to invite all the campus pastors to come up on stage. I love you, Christ Fellowship. Have a great day.